A lot of you know I grew up in Minnesota and up in Minnesota, as they call it. There's a lot of Norwegians up there. And, and there's a lot of people who tell Norwegian jokes. But I was told that's not politically correct. And so my pastor growing up taught us that you never tell Norwegian jokes or any kind of ethnic jokes except you can tell Hittite jokes or stories because the Hittites, they don't exist anymore. Nobody gets offended. So with that in mind, I want to tell you a story about two Hittites. Um, it was a, a beautiful fall day and one Hittite named Sven was walking with his, his brother Oli. And, and as they're walking along, it, it so happens that uh, Sven looks over his shoulder and in the distance they're in a, in a large, large uh, uh, cow pasture, as it were. And I remember playing in those and getting surrounded by bulls and stuff as a kid. So I can relate to this. Sven looks over his shoulder and he sees in the distance that there is a bull that's coming their way. And uh, Sven says to Oli, Oli, I, I think we maybe want to pick up our steps a little bit here. That bull is it's getting a little closer here. And I, Oli says, oh, we got plenty of time. Look, the, the fence is just up 100 yards or so. We'll get up there in a moment. And, and so they keep walking. And then Sven looks again, he's like, that bull's getting really close there, Oli. I, I think we better, better jog a little bit. And they do, they, they start jogging a little bit. Oli agrees. And that's when Sven looks again and says, Sven, I go, Oli, I don't think we're going to make it. We better start running. And, and they do. And, and it, it's that moment where they realize they're not going to make it to the fence line in time. And in that moment of panic, Sven yells out to Oli, Oli, you've got to pray or do something, pray. And Oli says, I don't know what to pray. You pray, Sven. Sven says, I don't know what to pray. You pray, Oli. And it's back and forth. And finally he says, Oli, pray like Mama taught us. And as they say, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let these gifts to us be blessed. Amen. Okay. Giving thanks, no matter what the circumstance. Is it possible? What do you think? And Paul writes what we read in Philippians. Steve mentioned that. There's another place. And if you've ever wondered, what is God's will for you? And I mean that at any time, any circumstance, any difficulty, any moment where you're giving thanks or, hey, everything's going great or things are in the, in the deep, dark trenches of life. What is God's will for us? Let's turn to this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Let's, let's read it together. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You catch that? What's God's will for you? Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. By the way, you maybe heard me share this some time ago. What is the shortest verse in the Bible? A lot of people say Jesus wept. That's usually the first thing that comes up, but that's actually not true. Because uh, the Bible wasn't actually written in English. It was written in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. And if the verse numbers had existed as part of the, the original text, the shortest verse in the Bible is actually right there. Rejoice always. It, it, it's the shortest verse in the Bible, and I think, how appropriate. Rejoice always. Um, what's included in always? Everything. What's not included in always? Nothing. 
at all times, all circumstances. And he points out, pray continually that there's an ongoing prayer of thanksgiving in our lives. That our lives, no matter what is going on, would be a response of thankfulness. A response to God saying, thank you God for what's going on. And to that you're saying, wow, that's really great, Pastor Mark, because that makes no sense. Right? Especially, all kidding aside, you walk in here tonight and what's chasing you is a diagnosis of death or a severe diagnosis of a disease or an illness or, or something you know is going to be a fight and you're like, I don't want to be chased by this. How, how can you say, be thankful for that? Maybe what's chasing you tonight is grief. You're grieving because you've lost somebody dear to you and it's Thanksgiving time, it's the holiday season and you're thinking, I don't want to go through this without that person anymore. I'm not sure I can do this. Maybe for you, what is chasing you is the thought of who's going to be around the table tomorrow. It's not just about who's not going to be there, but it's who's going to be there. And they, quite honestly, they really bug you. And you know they're going to say something that's going to set you on edge. You just know they will. And you're already tense about it. Like, yeah, give thanks for that, really? Maybe for you, you're realizing, oh, yeah, it's the holiday season, time to buy stuff, and I've got no, nothing to spend, because there is nothing to spend. And yet my family's counting on me, what am I going to do? And you say, be thankful for nothing? You start to get the idea. It would seem counterintuitive to give thanks in all circumstances. It, it really would seem counterintuitive. We're not wired naturally that way. It just doesn't make any sense. Unless, unless there's something that we're not aware of. Some of you know about this devotion. It's, it's called Jesus Calling. And yesterday on November 24th, this statement came out of that devotion. Maybe you remember it if you read it. Thankfulness takes the sting out of adversity. That is why I've instructed you to give thanks for everything. This is God talking to us. There is an element of mystery in this transaction. You give me thanks, regardless of your feelings, and I give you joy, regardless of your circumstances. This is a spiritual act of obedience, at times blind obedience. To people who don't know me intimately, it can seem irrational and even impossible to thank me for heart-rending hardships. Nonetheless, those who know me in this way are invariably blessed, even through difficulties, and even though those difficulties may remain. You see, thankfulness opens your heart to my presence and your mind to my thoughts. You may still be in the same place with the same set of circumstances, but it is as if a light has been switched on, enabling you to see from my perspective. It is this light of my presence that removes the sting of adversity. There's a lot to ponder there. But I love that thought of this transaction, this mysterious transaction. God invites us, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how you feel, he says, 
Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. And this mysterious transaction is God replaces it with joy. Who would ever think that? Are you kidding me? So God's saying, give thanks, and guess what? I give you joy. Why is it? Because our mind starts to be transformed in that, and not in the way of just think good thoughts, be positive. No, it's not about that kind of crack psychology. No, it's about finding our hope and finding our spirit of thankfulness in something that is firm and secure that will never, ever change. And you know what that is. You don't always see it. There's a lot of messages that try to erase it or try to shift your thoughts away from it, but the fact remains in Jesus, the one who doesn't avoid pain, the one that doesn't run away from death or sin or brokenness, but runs toward it to be the answer and the antidote for it is the same one who invites us to fix our eyes on him in all circumstances, no matter how difficult today. No matter how overwhelming, Jesus says, look to me. And all of a sudden, our, our view is, well, Lord, I can give thanks, can't I? And he says, exactly. Because no matter what, all of it is actually pretty small stuff compared to the big stuff I've handled for you that brings it all into full view. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's think about it. Paul is making a pretty strong statement here. I mean, here he is uh, earlier in Philippians when he says that, you know, I've learned the secret to being content in any and every situation. And there's elsewhere where he talks about the things he had gone through. It's, it's not like life went really great for him when he became a follower of Jesus, when God called him by his spirit to be a believer. It's not like suddenly God rolled out a red carpet and says, all right, follow me, Paul. No, quite the opposite. Paul's life... It would seem on the outside fell apart. I mean, we've got uh, situations where he's imprisoned, locked up. We've got moments where he's beaten for his faith. We've got moments where he's scourged, uh, you know, whipped across his back. We've got moments where he's shipwrecked on missionary journeys. We've got moments where the persecution and the, the hardships and the brokenness is overwhelming. And you'd think Paul would have every reason to say, God, where are you? I am mad. I'm upset. And Paul says, no, but I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed, whether hungry, whether in need and want, it's all the same because he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things through Christ. There's a secret. And yet it's no secret because God reveals it through his word today. And what is his will? There it is. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. And we have every reason to give thanks. Some years ago, a sweet lady, Myrtle White, up this tall, sweet, sweet lady, about 88 years old, still getting around. She'd drive places, walk places. She was blessed with great health even as uh, into her later 80s. And, and, and once a week, she would do a, a very special thing. Once a week, she would treat herself to going to the hair salon. And, and it always looked so perfect when she came back. It was almost like they put a mold around her, her hair. Beautiful. 
gorgeous lady. Well, one, one day, she was making her way to the beauty salon. She had parked across the street. She had to cross the street at an intersection, and the light changed. The crosswalk told her she could walk, and she started to walk across. And it was at that, that moment that a teenager, a young lady, was texting while she was driving, and she speeded around that corner, that intersection, and hit Myrtle White so hard that Myrtle went up over the hood, over the top of the car, and went off the back end and was laying there in pain, alive, but very badly bruised, and as it turned out, very badly injured. She had shattered her leg, broke her hip, and a lot of other results of that. They rushed her by paramedic, by the ambulance to the hospital. Uh, we received a, an emergency uh, call about that, and, and uh, my associate, Pastor Chris, at the time where, we were, where I was serving, uh, he was the first one to get to the hospital. And uh, she was in the, the emergency room, and, and often emergency rooms are set up where they have the, the drapes that, that separate the different bays of of, or patients are waiting for rooms or waiting to be seen by a doctor or, or nurse. And uh, he got there first. And as he was stepping in to go into that little area where Myrtle was, she, he got an opportunity to say, hi, Myrtle, and, and just talk to her for just a moment. And they were just beginning to go over what had happened when a nurse interrupted and says, I'm so sorry to interrupt this, but uh, you're a pastor, right? He says, yes, I'm a pastor. He says, could could, could you come with me right over? And, and he, he said, sure, what's going on? He's like, we really need your help. And, and he stepped over through the drape, one bed over. And there was a woman there, and she was on her deathbed. Her husband was at her side, was grieving, was overwhelmed at the thought that he was about to lose his wife from this world. And, and he just looked up at Pastor Chris and Pastor Chris caught on what was going on. Could, could I share with you? And he opened up God's word and shared the message of salvation in Jesus and the assurance we have in Christ and a calling that, that he gives us that's by his grace, not by what we've accomplished or what we've done freely, solely by what he's accomplished, by going the way of death on a cross and then rising again to new life and, and praying over this woman in that moment. And then she passed. Pastor Chris spent a little more time with them and then stepped back over to be with Myrtle. And what he found was Myrtle looking up at him with a big grin, smiling ear to ear, saying, Pastor Chris, I am so glad I got hit by a car today. <laughs> Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight. And it is, a, it is an act of obedience to say thank you even when we're overwhelmed and when we don't feel like it. But when we come into view of what you have done and who you are and a Savior who doesn't avoid the pain and the brokenness of this world, but one who takes it on for us, conquers it, and gives us victory, Lord, we can say thank you. Thank you for hardship. Thank you for sickness. Thank you for the pains that come our way. Because in it and through it, Lord God, you teach us to rely on you more and more. 
And when we rely on you more and more, Lord, there is strength that we never had before because it's not us, it's you. It's fully and, and completely your power, your grace, your mercy in our lives. And that is a great place to be because the exchange, Lord, of mystery is that you bring the greatest joy no matter what it looks like around us. Lord, do that among us here tonight for all your people who come and gather in this time of worship. Bless our time of thanksgiving in Jesus' powerful name, we pray.